so much, guys. In fact, let's give these guys one more big round of applause for all the time they've spent in this week. Thank you. Takes a lot of people to pull us off from uh, people who clear the snow to a tech team to Adventureland. So thank you. Thanks for being here tonight. I love that song. I love those words. I love that song. Come and see what God has done, the story of amazing love. And tonight's gonna be all about the amazing love that God has for us. I was thinking, though, about uh, the friend of mine who's got a little two-year-old boy who forever, uh, when he sang the song, The First Noel, he insisted it was the first Noel. And he's two, so no matter how much his dad tried to explain to him, no, this is a French word for Christmas, the more the dad explained, maybe because it was a two-year-old sense of humor, maybe it was a two-year-old stubbornness, but the uh, louder he sang, The First Noel. My wife told me about a comic strip, a little boy, uh, she saw this morning, uh, Joy to the World, The Lord Has Gum. And I, that would be like a kid. God's got gum, this is awesome. Well, anyhow, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for being here, coming out on a night that's lots of snow. I know the roads are not great. I, uh, I just wanna say thank you for being a part of our service tonight. Some of you have come and you're already exhausted. It's the first time you sat down all day long because you've been working hard. Uh, I'm, I'm sure a few of you are a little preoccupied right now thinking about all the stuff you've gotta do tonight. Uh, you still have presents to wrap. Somebody told me they haven't even begun to wrap their gifts. So I know that there's a lot that is going on in your life, and some of you are stressed. I spoke with someone after the service last night, after our Christmas Adam service, and I said, are you excited about getting together with the family? And they paused, and they said, actually, no. Uh, my family's really messed up. It's very dysfunctional. It's a high-stress time for me. So sometimes family's great, sometimes not. So I get all of that. What I'm going to ask you to do, we're going to be done in less than an hour. The whole thing tonight going to be less than an hour. You'll be out of here by 7 o'clock. I'm going to ask you to do this. Take a deep breath. Just relax and let God open your heart to hear about his love tonight and about what the true meaning of Christmas is. You know, Christmas means a lot of different things to different people. For a kid, it might be, uh, be about Santa or Buddy the Elf. It certainly means uh, presents and getting stuff on Christmas morning. For many, it is a time for family and friends. For others, and some of you here tonight even, I, I met someone in the lobby t tonight. Uh, they're struggling because it's their first Christmas without someone they've lost, a loved one that's not with them anymore. So it could be a painful time for some as well. Others, it's just another holiday to party on and have fun or overactive time of craziness, like I mentioned. But for nearly two billion people, that's the B, billion people on the planet, uh, there, are, there are two billion Christians who, for us, we celebrate the birth of our Savior on this special day. Regardless of what your age is, your life experience, your background, uh, your beliefs affect what you see, what you, what you view, your perspective of Christmas. And obviously, your religious beliefs affect your view of Christmas as well. I want you to consider something with me tonight, something I've been thinking about. From God's perspective, what should Christmas look like? What does Christmas look like to him? That very first Christmas, what did it mean to God? Long before the family traditions and the holiday decorations and the shopping and the gift giving and all the stuff that we've made Christmas about, which, by the way, I'm not against any of it. I love it all. I, I love the holidays. But what did God intend? What was his purpose for this holiday that we call Christmas? What was his desire and his purpose in giving us this special day? And by the way, in case you're wondering, Christians didn't call it Christmas until like 336 AD. It was Constantine that started this. So from the beginning, it wasn't even called Christmas. God must have had a purpose, though, and a plan. And I guess the other question I want to ask you is, well, of course he did, but why does it matter to us? What should it matter to us, to you and to me? Well, here's what the angel said to a group of shepherds on the night that Jesus was born. It's found in Luke chapter two, verses 10 and 11. The angel said, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. I love that part. It'll be for everybody, for all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, a Savior, who's Christ the Lord. What did God have in mind? What was his plan? What was his intent? It was to send his son to be a Savior for all people. From the very first night, from the very beginning, God saw Christmas as the answer to our separation from him. He saw this as the way for us to come home. He knew how far, far we'd wandered, how far we've wandered from home, how many of us have wandered from a meaningful and intimate relationship with him. He knew our human tendency to choose our own path, our own way, and, and how it always ends in bad news. God knows us. He knows that that's what usually happens when we go our way without him. But that's why the good news is such good, good news, so good for us, because we desperately needed a savior. God said, I'm gonna send my one and only son. I'm gonna give them precisely who they need and what they need at just the right time. And so Christmas is about connecting with God. It's about God coming to us in the form of a baby so that we could come home to him. It's about God's desire to have a relationship with you and with me. In fact, back in Jeremiah, in the Old Testament, Jeremiah chapter three, God said this to his people, you belong to me, so come home. You belong to me, so come home. Now, if you know Jeremiah, you know God's speaking through the prophet Jeremiah to the children of Israel. And obviously it was a word to God's people. But what it shows us is the heart of God. His desire is always, it's always been and always will be for us to come home. That's the heart of the Father. And so I want you to consider a different kind of coming home this Christmas, a spiritual homecoming, a coming home to God, a coming home to the one who loves you more than you could possibly imagine and to the one who made a way for you to do just that, to come home to the Father through Jesus, through our Savior. I have a good friend, known each other for a long time, for decades. And uh, his story is kind of a tragic one. He grew up in church, I did too, but he grew up in church and uh, when he was 16, 17 years old, uh, his dad, who was an elder in the church that they attended, his dad had an affair, uh, left his mom and nuked their family and that destroyed this, this guy, my friend. It destroyed his faith in God, it destroyed his faith in his own father because it destroyed his family. He was bitter and angry about it. And he made a vow that he would never enter a church again because of his wounds, because of his, his suffering, his pain, because of what happened through a, a man who said he was a Christian but hurt him and his family so badly. And we would talk about <clears throat> faith from time to time. Over the years, we've talked about God many times. And whenever I make the statement or talk about how we're all lost and we need a Savior, he gets really upset with me. And he will say to me, he said, I am not lost, I'm not lost, I don't need a Savior. And when I hear that from him, I usually just smile because I used to say the very same thing. I used to be exactly like him until I realized, now you know what, I am lost. We're all lost. Romans three says we've all sinned and fallen short of God's plan, his glory, his purposes for us. We're all wandering far from God and far from his purpose and his plan for our lives. To a guy named Nicodemus, Jesus had some words that he shared in a very famous passage in John chapter three. But Nicodemus was the guy who thought he had it all together. He would not have expected or thought that he needed saving, that he wouldn't have thought he was lost. But Jesus said this to Nicodemus in John 3, 16, a very familiar passage. He said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life, everlasting life. It's the most famous verse probably on the planet because it's so true and so amazingly reveals to us the heart of God. God loves us so much that he said, his one and only son. God made it clear to Nicodemus, Jesus made it clear to him and makes it clear to us that from God's perspective and because of God's love, 
The Father sent and gave his one and only Son to save us because we needed saving, to save us from perishing. Whether we want to admit it or not, and quite frankly, a lot of us don't like to admit it, but we need a Savior. Whether we want to own it yet or not, we are, in fact, lost, and lost is not good. Uh, I'm going to date myself with a story. Many years ago, one of my first computers was, it was a PC, and it was uh, uh, one of those PCs that actually, you're supposed to back things up on a floppy disk drive. Anybody remember floppy disk drives? Yeah, all the old people. Uh, they, they were these weird things, big things, and anyhow, I, I remember because it was so tr traumatic for me that my computer froze on me, and it was one of the first times, it just froze, it wouldn't do anything. I'm screaming at it, I'm yelling at it, I might have cursed a little bit at it, and I'm panicking because I realized that I hadn't done a backup for like months. Back then, because of the floppies and the space, and all, I mean, it takes like 50 of them to back anything up anyhow, and I hadn't done a backup for like forever, so I panicked. So I took it down to whatever was the equivalent of Best Buy and the, the, the uh, geeks there. And I said, dude, I said, can you fix me? Can you help, can you help this, this computer? I can't get anything off my drive. It's broken. Well, he took it someplace, plugged it into a machine, did a diagnostic, and came back. And he had, he had some good news. He said, I just want you to know that uh, I can recover what's been lost on this drive. I was so excited. I reached across the counter and gave a big old hug. A little bit of an awkward moment for him. Uh, not so much for me because I'm a hugger. But I was so excited. I can recover what's been lost, he said. Whatever Christmas has been for you, whatever it is right now, I need you to understand this. You've got to get this. God is saying through Christmas, I can recover what's been lost. I can redeem and restore you. The story of Christmas is a tale of passion. It's a tale of God's love. It's about his relentless love for you and me. God's relentless love pursuing us so much so that he sent his son for you and for me so that we could come home to the Father. He sent a Savior because we matter to him. He sent a Savior because he loves you deeply. And it's the greatest love story ever told. The issue is, and it really is the issue, what are we going to do in response to that love? How will you deal with that reality? How will you deal with that, that invitation, that offer that God gives of his love, of his son, of relationship with you? When I was a little boy, a long time ago, I lived in Billings, Montana, and uh, I used to play with fire a lot. I think all little boys are pyros. In fact, I'm not sure, but I think most big boys are pyros too. But we love to play with fire. I'm looking at Matt, who does fireworks every 4th of July. There's something else. We just love to blow things up. And if there's a fire, we're just fascinated with it. And I, I started young. And I'm with some buddies, and we're down the street. And there's this big field, and it's surrounded by homes. But we were down there, and two or three of my buddies were playing with matches. And I don't know who did it. I'm not sure who's responsible for the match, but suddenly a match started a fire in this field, and it was a hot August day. Before we knew it, man, that field was, the old thing was just ablaze. For one second, I sat there, what? Whoa, this is awesome. It was a sick part of me. Again, the pyro part. I, I thought, this is awesome, but then it dawned on me. Two things hit me really quickly. One, there are homes lining this whole field. Now they're at risk. I thought, that's not good. And the second thought that hit me was, my dad, when he finds out, he's going to kill me. And so I did what most of us do when we blow it. I ran, I hid, and when my dad asked, I lied. I wish I could tell you that was the last time that I fell into that human pattern of running, hiding, and lying. Of running, hiding, and being in denial. But it wasn't the last time for me. And that's what most of us do when we blow it. Instead of owning it, we run, we hide, we lie. Here's what Jesus said about this. In fact, to Nicodemus, in the same passage in John chapter 3, just a few verses down, verses 19 to 21, here's what Jesus said to Nick. He said, light is coming to the world. 
But people love darkness instead of a light because their deeds were evil. Verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. So Jesus is giving Nicodemus some pretty sober news. Here's the problem with mankind. Here's the problem with people. You guys like the darkness because you think you can hide there. Because you don't wanna come into the light you, for fear of exposure. That's the bad news, but the good news is found in verse 21. But whoever lives by truth comes into the light. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. When I was in my 20s, most of you have heard my story if you've been around here. I ran from God. I was running, hiding, in denial, angry at him. I was lying to myself and lying to everybody. And I was miserable. And I was far from God and I was so lost. But finally I came to a place where I realized, no, I need a savior. I need to come home. I need to come back to God. And when I came out of hiding and into his light, that's when healing began for me. That's where hope began again in my life. God loves you. If you hear anything tonight, I need you to hear this. The Father loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son for you. And he knows every intimate detail of your life, everything there is to know, he knows. And yet he says, he wants you to come home to him. Would you bow your heads? Let me just pray for you. Father, thank you so much for loving us in our unlovely, unlovable condition, in our sin, God, when we were far from you, when we denied you, when we were angry and cursing your name, God, you still loved us. And I know, Jesus, that, that you came to bridge the gap between us and the Father, and I'm so grateful, God, that you sent Jesus as a savior for us. And it is my prayer tonight, God, I pray with all that I am, with everything in me, I ask you, Lord, would you reach into the hearts of every person that's here tonight, and if they leave here with anything, let them leave here with a profound truth in their soul, with something, Lord, that's just settled deep inside of them tonight, that they are loved, no matter what, they are loved. And that you have loved them from the very beginning, you love them now, you will always love them, and that you are pursuing them, and that your invitation to them is to come home, to come out of hiding, and to come home. Work in our hearts, Lord, I pray. I pray it in Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask you to do something right now. We're gonna take some time uh, to watch a video. The band's gonna sing a song. And I'm gonna ask you to listen to the words. Listen to the words of the song. They're powerful. But mixed throughout the song, there are letters written by real people to those who have wandered. Listen to the words. Listen to the song, and I'll come back. What wrecks me about that song is that I know that those are real letters written to real people. People who've wandered, wandered far from God, wandered far from their friends, from their family. That last letter is from God to us, from his heart to our heart. And I get choked up when I watch it because I remember the pain and the agony that I caused my wife, my family, my friends when I wandered far from him, when I was lost in darkness. Until that moment where I came home and everything changed. It began a journey for me of hope that I am on still to this day. And what I need you to know, guys, hear this, God longs for you to come home. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you're hiding, doesn't matter what's happened what's happening right now. 
He wants you to throw off your fears and to come running home to him. I was talking with a guy named Mark some time ago. And he told me, he said, you know, I, I'm pretty sure God loved me when I was a kid, when I was pretty good and had most of my life going the way I thought it would go. And I was in church. I'm pretty sure God loved me then. But he said, there's no way God loves a guy like me. Not now, not anymore. And he was serious. And I looked him in the eye and I told him what I'm telling you tonight. Listen, love made a way. Where there is no way for us, God says, nope, I made a way by sending my son. God loved you before you even knew about him, about his love. And so his invitations don't stand at a distance any longer, but come home to the Father. Years ago, Ernest Timingway, the great author, wrote a short story called The Capital of the World. And in the story, there's a young man named Paco. And Paco uh, decides to run away from home. He wants to become a matador, moves to Madrid, Spain, and his father was heartbroken in agony over the loss of his son. And so he went after his son, and he, he went to Madrid and looked everywhere, trying to find Paco. Couldn't find him. So he ran a personal ad in the newspaper, and here's what it said. Paco, all is forgiven. I want you to come home. Meet me tomorrow at 12 noon in front of the Hotel Montana. And the story, and I love this story. The next day, the father showed up, and he was shocked to find 800 Pacos, 800 young men who wanted to be forgiven, wanted to come home, wanted to be restored to relationship with their father. Did you know that your heavenly father loves you and he wants you to come home? And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how broken or messed up you think you are. God says, come home to my love. And that's what Christmas is all about. The Apostle John said this about Jesus in 1 John 4, 9. He said, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. John says, this is how much God loved you. He sent Jesus to prove it. Before we do our candle lighting and finish with one last song, I've been reading this book, and I can't put it down. It's called People of the Second Chance, and it's amazing. It's so good. But I want to read you just a couple of paragraphs of this, and I want you to open your heart to hear this last little bit before we move into candlelighting. He writes, whether we like it or not, our experience is one part mischief, one part miracle, and one part mayhem, all slammed together to make this cocktail called life. Our second chance stories can look very different from one another and yet are often similar. Life demands that you sit in the tension of pain and suffering. One of the first steps of living as a second chancer is to get comfortable with our messes, to find peace with who you are and what life turned into for us. I've sat with so many people who struggle with the sorrow of their stories whose expectations did not line up with how they thought life should turn out. They wanted an outcome that they were never promised. My simple advice to them, embrace it. Every tear and every heartbreak, every stain and every scab, every flaw, every imperfection, they belong to you. So wear them with your head held high. Second chancers, understand our brokenness isn't something to hide, but to integrate into our lives. We do not need to be ashamed. No matter what the world says, we are not less than for being broken. And yet it is so tempting to have it all together, isn't it? Or at least to look that way. 
to look so good and to be so fine. The right clothes, the right brands, sexy Instagram photos where we look thin and young, our perfect kids winning student of the month awards, pictures of our summer vacations that are better than everyone else's summer vacations. We nip and tuck and Photoshop almost every aspect of our lives. It is the perfection playbook that we try to live by. God's desire is to unleash you and me from the pathological desire to look nice. He says, whoever you are, whatever you look like, whatever mess you've been in, don't worry about that anymore. You're mine and you're in good hands now. My fellow second chancers, I want you to, to know this. I want you to know that we can come to the Father. The grace, the grace movement is built on imperfection and scraggly edges. Without stains and scars, hope is an afterthought, a luxury instead of a necessity. Without our imperfections, there's nothing to place in the hands of God. The point is, God knows you. He knows us. He knows our brokenness. He knows our need, which is precisely why he sent a Savior. Would you bow your heads, heads one more time? Let me just pray a very short prayer and give you an opportunity to make a, a decision right now that could change your life. Some of you are here tonight and you've not yet started your life as a Christ follower. And I don't believe in accidents. I don't believe in coincidence. I believe God brought you here tonight to hear this simple truth. He loves you. He loves you more than you can even begin to imagine. And his plan and his purpose for your life is radical. It's all-encompassing. It's great. And it's, he wants to take you right where you're at. He knows your brokenness. And he just says, come out of hiding. Come to me. Choose me. Choose my love. And all will be forgiven. I want to pray a very simple prayer right now. And if this is your desire, if this is what you want, if you're ready this Christmas Eve 2016 to start your life as a follower of Jesus, then just make this prayer yours right now. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus for me. I need a Savior. I need for grace. I need forgiveness. I need your mercy in my life. And so right here, right now, in the midst of my stuff, my brokenness, my sin, I just confess that I need you, God. I need you, Jesus, and I believe that you came for me. So right here, I surrender my life to you. Right here, right now, I choose to follow you. I choose to love you. Thank you for loving me. Now, if that's you in your heart, you're on way to say, yep, God, that's what I want. That's what I need. And that moment you do, you become his child forever. Lord, thank you for those making that decision right now to enter into a relationship with the Father, to come home to you. But God, all of us, leave here, help us leave here tonight remembering that we are loved, deeply loved by you. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you take your candles out right now? We're going to finish with what has become a tradition for us here at East Point. And it's actually a tradition that's been practiced by the church for hundreds of years. Uh, it's not just to satisfy my love of fire, my little pyro nature. It really is a tradition that reminds us that Jesus came as God's light, that his love and presence came to, inv to invade our darkness. He came into our world. The ushers are going to come down front. They're going to light a candle off the main candle here. Then they're going to walk down the center aisles or down the aisles and light the outside person. And then if you'll just turn and light the candle of the person next to you. And if you feel comfortable doing so, you might want to say, Jesus came as light for you. Because that's why we do this. It's a reminder that God came, he sent his son into our world to illuminate our darkness. Let's sing the song together. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright.
holy infant so tender and mild sleep in heavenly peace sleep in heaven silent night holy night shepherds quake silent night holy night shepherds quake at the side glory stream from heaven afar heavenly hosts sing hallelujah Christ the Savior is born, Christ the Savior. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. Silent night, holy night, Son of God loves pure light. came as light into a dark world. He came to be your light. He came to live inside you as the light of life. He came because we need a Savior, because he loves us. Take a moment, just look around the room. I love, this is kind of the best moment of the service from seeing the glow of the candlelight on your face. Thank you, Jesus, for being the light of the world. Go take it, blow that out real carefully now if you would. Try not to spill too much wax on yourself or light your hair on fire. That would be good. A couple of things before you guys go tonight, and I am so grateful for you being here. Thank you for all that you have uh, done to make this night possible for us. There's a few things. Uh, in the baskets, I think we still have some left. Uh, you'll see stacks of books and baskets uh, on the tables. And there's a bowl. And uh, we wanted to give you something you could take home as a reminder of tonight. Put it on your tree, put it wherever you want to, but it says on there, welcome home, you are loved. And it's just a reminder that you are loved by the Father. And so pick one of those up as you leave. We also have lots of, of my first book, Epic Grace, available. Some of you bought it before, some of you've had it, read it, that's great. Uh, we want to encourage you to pick up another copy and give it away. Uh, we've got one for everybody. So take as many as you'd like tonight. They're stacked up in the back. Wrap it up, give us a gift tomorrow. But please take this as our gift to you. And then most importantly tonight, if you begin your life's Christ follower, if you, uh, Pray that prayer to begin your journey as a, as a Christian. Man, tell somebody, you're gonna make their Christmas Eve, you're gonna make their Christmas. Let your friends, your family know. But also on the other tables, there's a baskets with plastic bags. It's got a Bible, some material you start your walk with Jesus. Please pick one of those up as well as our gift to you. We wanna help you in this journey of following him. Well, let me just say this. I am eternally grateful for this church, for you, and so, so uh, happy that you guys could be with us tonight. Uh, please drive safe. Please be careful out there. It's slippery. It's getting, it's, I think it's going to start snowing in a minute again. It's, all of you have been praying for a white Christmas. God heard your prayer. 
so you can stop, but I would encourage you to be safe tonight. And here's my prayer for you. Merry Christmas, guys. God bless you. Thanks for being here tonight.